Pastor Chris. All right. Thanks, Cedric. There's a snake in my boots. All right. <laughs> hey, uh, oh man, the adults had too much fun. We're here too much fun. Um, hey, I'll, I'm going to get right to it. You know, the Generation Series is actually a really good way for us to just tell it as it is. Uh, we've been giving each generation a chance, not just to take over the service, but we've given each generation a chance to just be themselves so that we could have some honest conversation in church. You know, sometimes it's possible to just play church. So you come along, and by, by play church, I mean that we formulate church so much towards our ideals, what we want. So you're on your best behavior on a Sunday. So you come to church on a Sunday, right? And my goodness, the sermon is like spot on with the Word of God. Worship is like so anointed, and, and everybody's like, oh, yes, yes, this is... This is what Christian life should be. But if we do that for too long, what happens is there's this divide that happens between our real selves, the people who like to dress up as Woody, the you know, people who take photographs of the Milky Way, whatever it is, right? There's this, there's this split between your family that just drives around Uber all day to you, right? And, and, um, and church life. And so every now and then, uh, once a year, we, we try to make space for us to just kind of just tell it as it is. Um, you know, we should, be, we should feel free to be ourselves at church because God wants to interact and deal with our real lives. He's actually less interested in your carefully crafted church Sunday life, right? Um, I guess it's a little bit of a tension, right? Because you don't want to just be yourself, come, you know, grumpy and then like, you know, have, uh, you know, scold everybody around and, and do all your, you know, in your pajamas or whatever it is. You, and, then, and then have nothing to do with the Word of God, nothing to do with what the Holy Spirit is doing, right? You want to have that balance where the real you shows up, but at the same time, you interact with the Word of God. You allow the Holy Spirit to speak. And so then, um, so we're trying to hold these two things in balance where we've got, hey, space to be kind of yourself, show up, and as well, spend some time looking at God's Word and saying, okay, well, this is really where we are at. This is our real selves. Let's be very realistic. And where does God want to move us? Where does God want to shape our lives? How is God going to speak into our generation and into our real lives. We're still striving to learn from His Word, be led by the Spirit, and we will still submit ourselves to God, our Father. You know, last week was really fantastic. I love the way. So to me, uh, last week's uh, Senior Sunday, that was a great, I mean, this, this Sunday has been going really well. Uh, but last Sunday as well was so good, right? Because we got to see our seniors. My goodness, they're like line dancing every during the service. There are actually 180 line dancers, right? Uh, you got to see my mom's classic message. How many of you can remember her 67 points that were on 
all on one slide. No, no, it wasn't on one. <laughs> you know, um, you know, we got a glimpse of what a senior generation uh, is like when they're just themselves. We, we, we were able to taste their steamboat. Many of you uh, don't know, but we, we, ran a, we ran a sold out steamboat. Look at these party people at the, oh my goodness, right? We had a sold out steamboat after the 4 p.m. service, right? And the people who were prepping the food, uh, cooking all of it um, behind the scenes, were actually our seniors in the kitchen the day before getting everything ready. They stayed back after all the young people left and they cleaned up. The kitchen, and so I just want to honor them and thank them. They are really a force to be reckoned with. Okay, today is going to be a short message. Let's pray, Father. We thank you so much for your word. I pray, Lord, even as I share, uh, that you would be here in our midst. We've um, we've had some time, Lord, to uh, to to sort of get into reality and, and to, to anchor ourselves on where we're at. But you know already where we're at. And so we come to you as we are, but we want to be changed by you. So we commit today's sermon into your hands in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, Pastor YC heads up our adults home group and he's in charge of this weekend and he gave me the topic, which is so good. So he gave me the topic, don't disqualify your self. Okay, we're dealing with the adult generation, midlife, if you will. You are uh, the adult generation, you're between 30, maybe 30 and 55. All right, yeah, I know, I'm just catch a whole bunch of you guys, right? 30 to 55. And I'm, I'm kind of towards the end of this segment, actually, I'm 49 this year. And let me say, midlife has been one of the trickiest transitions uh, for me. And so today's message is going to be relevant for everyone, but in the interest of keeping it as real as I possibly can as a midlife adult male here in the church, I'm going to intro today's sermon very quickly with a talk, a snapshot into male midlife. It's not good. <laughs> male teenage and young 20s my goodness like you know why we lost the Arthur we're getting slower we're getting slats what it is yeah we all know the answer but oh uh, uh, eh. and then our eyes our eyes can't see the thing and Arthur's just like poof, poof, poof. okay anyway um, there is a story that I read recently where the author of this book a great great book um uh, the author was on a plane and he overheard a woman say, uh, the couple were be seated behind him, he overheard a woman say, it's not true that no one needs you anymore. And then the, the guy and the, the wife, they're talking and the guy's like whispering and he sounds so sad and dejected. And then he, he you know, everybody's um, in this flight, everybody is sleeping so he can hear the conversation. This author can hear the conversation of a couple that's a few rows behind him. And then he hears, he hears the woman say again, oh, stop saying that it would be better off if you were dead. And so then he's like, wow, what is, what kind of conversation is going on that this guy is so dejected in life? And so he imagines, he imagines a scenario where maybe this guy, he's getting older, 
and he's hitting the stage, you know, where his body's not what it used to be. Maybe he hasn't really done anything significant in his life. Maybe there are unfulfilled dreams, careers he never pursued, studies that he has not done, companies that he wanted to start, but he never did it. And now that he is older, he feels like tossed aside like yesterday's news. But then when they touched down and the light switched on, the couple walked past the author. And it turned out that that couple, the guy, was actually a really famous person. He was instantaneously recognizable. Now, the, the author of the book doesn't reveal who it is, right? But he says it was someone who was universally beloved as a hero and had done many accomplishments. In fact, as the couple walks past, a guy, couple rows ahead, stops the couple and says, Sir, I've admired you since I was a boy. You know, um, that's how, like, um, that's how this book called Strength to Strength starts, right? One of my favorite reads from our trip in Japan, right? And talks, New York Times bestseller, not a Christian, so, uh, you know, take it for whatever it's worth. Um, but talking about, and this guy tells a story, and he talks about what it's like in the second phase of your life. This guy was going into midlife, something that I grappled with in my early 40s. And you get the sense even though you've done a whole range of things, even if you're smart or you've, you've achieved a whole bunch of things, you get this sense as you get older, man, my best years, they were behind me. You, you're less cool. Your wife and your kids are getting better and better. The world is moving fast. It's a real struggle to keep up. But at the same time, your responsibilities are growing and then the stakes are getting higher, right? But your sharpness, your skills, your eyesight, physical ability, they're declining, and then you feel it. It turns out, actually, that your professional and technical decline is coming faster than you realize. It's been shown, and I won't bore you with a whole bunch of research, right? That in every high school profession, decline sets in somewhere between the late 30s and the early 50s, especially if you're a sports, a sportsman, right? Uh, maybe you're a knowledge worker relying on your speed of thinking, maybe even if you're a creative. Um, there's an age um, around your late 30s where your cognitive function even starts to decline. Um, and they call this the fluid intelligence that starts, here's some bad news for you guys, right? If some of you are like here 30, right? Your fluid intelligence actually peaks and then goes down slowly, plateaus and then goes down. And your fluid intelligence is your ability to think flexibly, right? That means you're flexible in your thinking, you can change your habits, or, you know, you get older a bit more fixed in your ways, right? And then you can navigate turns quickly. You can solve novel problems. You can learn quickly. These are things that require our fluid intelligence. That's why kids pick up languages so fast, right? Um, things that are commonly associated with raw smarts, like reading, retention, mathematics, these types of things, right? They, they, they plateau uh, starting somewhere between 30 to 40. Uh, we can sometimes, when this happens, we can be a bit like sailboats, right? That when steam engines and 
and, and, and fuel and electricity is invented for boats. We're like, no, we're a sailboat. We're going to sail faster. We're going to do the same thing that we've always done. But, ah, you know, blowing that sailboat is getting really, really harder and harder. And so then some of us, we grab onto the thing that worked in the past and we push our sailboats faster. We desperately try to keep up the things that we used to be able to do and we get insecure, much like the person in that story on the plane. Because so much of our identity was caught up in our ability to do things or the things that we used to have done in our 20s or even in our 30s. But the 40s and the 50s, they're different. And your kids are no longer the little toddlers who will go around everywhere you are and who will look up to you. But there is good news. And maybe that's why... uh, you're here today to listen to this because I think um, this might be something that you need to hear. Because as we have seen from last week, life is not over at the adult stage. We know and we can see in our church and in our community very thriving seniors in our midst. What needs to happen is that in our adult stage, we need to navigate a change. And today is about navigating that change. Going from the sprint to the long marathon distance of faithfulness and not disqualifying ourselves. It turns out, actually, that as one intelligence declines, another is on the rise. Another is on the rise. Something that you don't have when you're younger. Yeah, but you grow with. It increases with age. And this is what they call crystallized intelligence. Crystallized intelligence is a store, a memory bank of things that you have learned and experienced when you were younger. Things that you've noticed. And as you get older, actually, your ability to join these, this knowledge increases. Your ability to make sense of the links between the things that you've learned. Ah, you're observing patterns. Oh, we're not going to make that same mistake. Oh, we've seen this happen so many times. It's actually the ability for you to, um, it represents all your knowledge and it's like an easy translation is that you can, um, when you're young, you can absorb a lot of facts. But when you're old, Duh. (laughs) You know what they mean and how to use them. And so we grow actually in our adult stage. And that's why you're moving into more senior positions. You're leading things. you're, You're passing on information or what my mom would say. You're growing in sort of experiential wisdom if you handle it right. Basically, you're more able to make connections, see the big picture. You draw on your previous knowledge and you use that in life to be to teach better, lead better, and make wider, wiser decisions. But if you still have a vision of your life where you're banking on your youth and you're banking on your body and you're just going to push your body really, really hard or your fluent intelligence, which is diminishing, then what often happens 
is the classic male midlife crisis. And I'm just using male midlife as an example. We'll, we're going to spread it out to everybody soon. But it, this is something that, you know, is quite a phenomenon, right? But so if you don't, if you don't shift your life to account for the change of mode to the change of phase, and you still are trying to make it work like when you were 18 years old, you will actually be shooting for a vision of your life that your younger days gave you. You'll be relying on past glories, past successes and abilities. And then, in order to sustain it, you'll come up with shortcuts. Maybe you're drinking more coffee. Maybe there's that rising dissatisfaction and you're like, no, I just got to keep going. Have you ever met, you know, grumpy old men who complain about the whole world and how everything is wrong and that life was better before? So sometimes that dissatisfaction gets so large that it, it, it snaps for a guy and you've got the classic midlife crisis solution, right? Um, I have a friend, Sam Chan, in Sydney. He describes it as the five S's. He goes, sex, sports, speed, shopping, or sadness. One of those five S's, right? To deal with midlife. You're like, yeah, I just got to drive fast, 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 fast. Speed or sports. You see these guys, they're, they're so fit. They're suddenly they're like, you know, working out every day or whatever it is. Um, and you're trying to somehow solve the dying of something inside of you without embracing the birth of something new in you and in your life. What is actually needed is a shift in vision. A shift in vision. And so in today's message, I want to talk to you you know, okay, so we can leave men and men transitions alone. If you actually want to more focus on it, we've got an amazing men's camp that's coming up. When's that? In like two weeks, Uncle Vicey? And still got spots? Very few, right? Yeah, I think like eight or something like that. Anyway, uh, not too late to sign up. we we'll do with men's and, you know, it'll be great for men to sort of work that through. But every single one of us actually needs to tackle life's transitions and changes, right? Because the jungle presents new challenges, dangers, and adventures all the time. That's why we started, that's why we started the series going, hey, what are some of your, uh, your default expectations of life? These expectations that you maybe formed when you were young. And we are taking some time now to re-look at them. It's not just the men, right? Women are bearing enormous pressures in adulthood. You're often dealing with raising children. You're working. You're dealing with husbands, right, who, let's face it, are getting harder to manage. You've got maybe you're dealing with aging parents. It's the age where responsibilities increase, the stakes get higher, and the reality of life kicks in. It's also the season, I think, when we discover that maybe things didn't go according to plan and that maybe life wasn't what we imagined it to be. Maybe your spouse wasn't who or, you know, he or she was not who you thought they would be or your children even. And you'd never say it, but maybe that's what you're grappling with. The fact that it's just not turning out how you expected. Maybe it's church. Maybe Christianity. Maybe God even. 
was not who you expected him to be. At some point, our childhood, youthful understanding of the world and of God is just not enough, and reality kicks in. So that's why we started this conversation about expectations, to prepare for this jungle. Our challenge in this season of adulthood, especially if you've been following Christ and that you've been faithful through your early years and you're now on track with God and maybe you're taking some time to re-engage with God in your adulthood and you're here at church, our challenge is to actually prepare ourselves for the marathon. So I want to ask, how is your marriage going? How's your health? How's your emotional health? How's your spiritual health? How is your personal walk with God doing? Because if we don't watch what is happening with some of these things, we will keep running and running and running and maybe we will end up disqualifying ourselves because we just can't keep up with a false expectation and a fake vision of what life could be. The Bible actually is prepped up for this exact challenge. It's been anticipated. Mankind has been the same for so long. And so within the Bible um, are passages where God has anticipated that we would need encouragement to keep going for the long marathon that is life, that between 30 to 55 and hopefully more than 55 years old, right? So if, if you're a church that only ever preaches happy messages, maybe you'll just completely skip these verses. But there are these verses in Scripture that are there to guide us in this season, and they serve a little bit as a warning. So I want to talk a bit about some of these verses that talk about not disqualifying ourselves in this tough season of adulthood where we actually have to shift gears and re-envision our lives. Uh, 2 John only has one chapter, 1, 7 to 8 says, For many deceivers have gone out into the world who do not confess Jesus Christ is coming in the flesh. Uh, this is a deceiver and antichrist, right? And the main part of it says, Look to yourselves that we do not lose the things that we worked for, but that we may receive a full reward. Means look at your own life. How are you going? Don't give up everything that you have worked for to this moment. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Or 1 Corinthians 9, 24 to 27. Do you not know that in a race all runners run, but only one receives the prize? So, so run in a way that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive just a perishable wreath, but we, we do it for an imperishable one. So I, I don't run aimlessly. I don't box as one beating in the air. I discipline my body and I keep it under control lest after preaching to others, I should find myself disqualified. 
Or there's this in Hebrews 12, 1 to 2. Therefore, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin that clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, for who the joy that was for a uh, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated now at the right hand of the throne of God. These verses encourage us to keep going and to not disqualify ourselves. I mean, we have seen so many examples of people who take shortcuts just to appear more successful than they are. Like, I don't want to name names or, or talk into situations about churches and, you know, um, but the sheer frequency of the number of people who are disqualifying themselves from ministry even or God's calling even is, is too much to ignore. Uh, we are, we're seeing affairs, abuse of alcohol, people destroying their faith, leaving the faith. You just, we have to deal with it. And I don't think this is just a phenomenon for famous people. It's also in our everyday lives. Here in our church are people who might give up on their marriage vows. Or even if they don't give up on their marriage vows, they might give up on working on their marriage. Too hard. Devout Christians who will leave their faith. People who will fall into an addiction or a disqualifying sin. I have a lot of compassion, actually, for the struggle. Because it's very real. It's just people trying to cope with the fact that life is getting hard and the things that were working were not really working the way it used to. So that's why in this adult generation sermon, we want to talk about how to change that trajectory. So many things that we can talk about, uh, but in the last sort of seven minutes, I want to talk about probably the most significant thing that we can do in the adults' generation to shift this. It's the one thing I hope that you can take with you after the service and that you'll pray and meditate about it during this week. I want to talk about changing the trajectory of your life and having a different vision. I want to talk as we close today's service about in your adult years having a God-given vision for your life. For, not for, oh, this is the God-given vision for my life is I will have two doctors and one lawyer and my wife will always listen to me. No. I'm talking about a God-given vision for who you are going to be as a person. Look to yourselves. What does God want you to be? Um, you know, in Proverbs 29 uh, verse 18, multi-versions there, it basically says when there is no vision, people are unrestrained or they cast off restraint or they stumble. But happy is he who keeps the law or blessed is he. You know, we need to have some kind of vision in life. Uh, 2 John 1, 7-8, which we read, says, Look to yourselves that we do not lose those things that we work for, but that we might receive the full reward. What does it mean to have a look at our own life? 
take a good look at our own life. Let me paint you a picture of a person who has no real personal vision for their own life. This person, someone who just survives, they just make it through the adult years. Ah, I just do what my wife tells me, or I just do what my boss says. You know, like I, like, I just I follow instructions. I'm just trying to survive. I make it through the. I make it through the day. You, you don't understand. You don't understand. I have so many obligations. I have so much of my day. It's just not under my control. So I'm, I'm, I'm functioning on remote control. I'm so drained at the end of the day that I just have to kill time in order to recharge. But one day. One day, things will get better. I, I don't know how, but it will get better if we just keep going. Maybe my kids will grow up and leave me alone. Maybe, maybe I'll get promoted. Maybe when I'm richer, then I can engage with life once again. So many times as a pastor, I chat with people who have given up the enthusiasm of a vision for their life. Like, I am going to be an amazing wife. I am going to be an amazing husband. Or I am going to exude the character of Christ. You know, let me paint you a picture of somebody with a vision. And one of the, the advantages, I guess, of being a pastor is you actually see across the congregation people who are living their life with a personal vision and people who live without it. And you see it's marked a difference, actually. Because if you don't have a vision, the world's going to give one to you. Um, but a picture of someone with a vision goes like this. God has put me on this earth for a purpose. And I have been given resources. I have been given godly gifts. That's why I loved Kit's testimony at the beginning at his old age, <laughs> in adulthood, right? Hey, I am living with a purpose. We can still do things. Uh, a person with a vision goes, there's a discrepancy still between heaven and earth. And so I'm going to work to bring God's kingdom down here on earth as it is in heaven. You know what? I chat with seniors, older than me even, who still have that drive in their life to still teach the Word of God, to pray for people. Uncle Leong heads up our healing rooms. You know, my mom is still teaching the Bible. We, I bumped into Kit the other day. She's in our Forest Hill Chase um, White Horse Community Center teaching Chinese uh, classes conversational Chinese. So they've got some kind of a sense, hey, Things on earth are not as it should be. And it's my goal as a child of God to do something about it. People with a vision, they say, I may not be able to change the world, but I can change my own attitude. I can change my disposition. And if I do that, it will in turn change the mood and the environment for my family. It will change the environment for my church. It'll change the environment for my work and my neighborhood. People with a vision say, I am called and I know what I'm called for. In fact, you know the word vocation? Actually, the word vocation comes from vocal. It means calling. So you look at your vocation and you go, it's not just a job. You don't just get paid. It's my calling 
to do this. I was made to be this engineer. How do you live life with that kind of vision in your midlife? You need to actually take some time and course correct in your adulthood. You know, ice hockey star Wayne Gretzky, this famous quote, right? Says, you know, how do you get so good at, at playing ice hockey? And he goes, you know what? I don't skate to where the puck is. I skate to where it's going. And what you need to do in this life phase of yours in adulthood is to go, what are the next 10 years, 20 years like for me? Where is that going? And then spend some time and get a real vision for where God wants you to go. All through Scripture, all through Scripture are examples of God changing people, revamping their vision. Um, it also, all through Scripture, you see their struggles. There's Jonah, right? He's doing well. He's a prophet. Everything's all good. And God calls him in his later years to do something else. And he struggles with it. In fact, you know, his whole story is the struggle. You've got Peter, the fisherman, bold and brash, and he's humbled by God, and then he's risen up with a new vision to start the church, empowered by the Holy Spirit. Paul literally gets a vision that changes his life. Moses leads Israel in his old age, and he spends 40 years working for Jethro before he gets this new vision. It comes, though, at great struggle because some part of our old vision needs to die. Some part of us needs to grapple with reality and we need to engage with God so that we are vibrant and engaged with vision, so that we're not adults that are living life without a personal vision. So I want to ask as we're ending, what kind of person does God want you to be? Maybe we can get the worship team up. What kind of person does God want you to be? What kind of person will you be? Do you have a vision for your life? Do you have a vision for your life? Do you have a vision for your next season? This is where we defer, I think, from regular self-help because we need to actually not just sit down and figure life out. We actually, in our adult season, if we want to stay engaged, purposeful, and have a reinvigorated vision, we need to deliberately seek God so that He shapes our vision. God, what kind of husband do you want me to be? What kind of father do you want me to be? What kind of mother do you want me to be? What kind of friend do you want me to be? And then you allow God to speak into your life and to speak a vision into you. You invite the Holy Spirit. You make space for the Holy Spirit to speak into your life. Whatever your busy schedule is, I want to encourage you, take time away and recalibrate don't just keep running that sailboat and going, yeah, I used to be able to do it this way and just keep grinding that again and again. Take some time. You know, uh, tomorrow I fly off to Malaysia for 10 days. Uh, it's something I do every year. But I take 10 days and I'm praying. I'm also speaking at FGAKL and doing a bunch of other things. But I'm spending time and we're, I'm praying and I'm re-envisioning just not just my 
my life, but it's the kickoff of our annual planning for next year. But I found, and I've been doing this now for almost a decade, it is so crucial in our adult years to take some time away to go, God, I need a vision for my life. I can't just run on remote control. I cannot live a visionless life. And that's, I'm just not talking to just the guys in midlife. That's every single one of us in every generation. We need to take some time to go, God, what is your vision for me? What, who do you want me to be? What do you want to change in my life? I'm going to close with this verse in Philippians 3, 13 to 14. And I love it because it reminds me actually that even though great things happened in the past or maybe some really bad things happened to you in the past that you feel is holding you back. It says, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of the final thing. One thing I do know though, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. I feel like that needs to be our anchor verse for adults. That we don't just live in the glory days or mull over the things that we wish we had done when we were younger, but ah, it's too late to do it now. And we forget kind of what was behind and we look forward. God has a long life for you. You still have so much impact in the world and there is this intelligence, crystallized intelligence that's growing in you of things that God has planted and placed in your life that you can then use to lead, to share, to, to, to steward even the resources and the gifts that God has given. So I want to, I want to, uh, we're going to close with a song. But as, uh, can we get everybody to stand up? Um, Ash is going to lead us in a song. And I want us to, as we, as we sing this, because God is going to be the one who is, who has a purpose for you, has a vision for you. I want you to reflect on what goal are you pressing towards, just like that verse. What has God got for you? And what is He calling you? you to do. Sing praise. Praise to the Lord. To the Lord. To the King.
Lord Jesus, this song's forever. 